Hey, mates, welcome to the Book of John, the companion podcast to all my writings. And now, please turn in your books to chapter 24. The one that got me. So it's October, did you notice? Halloween decorations, pumpkin spices in the air, blah, blah, blah. And every year around this time, our family likes to break out the spooky movies. Well, some members of our family break out spooky movies every chance they get. That would be my wife, Allie, a horror movie writer-director. And some members don't bother watching movies at all if they can watch their phones instead. That would be my daughter, Bethany, a tween. So really, it's just me that holds out till October to haul out the creepy stuff. Being a movie nerd, it's practically a badge of honor when discussing scary movies to obnoxiously proclaim either complete desensitization against all cinematic scares or utter and total hysteria at any hint of a scare in a movie. I'm afraid I fall into the former camp, utterly implacable to most horror movies and thus devoid of fun. Comes of being a teenager in the 80s, our whole deal was to actively seek out the goriest movies we could find, watch them clockwork orange style with our eyes forced open, keeping our bodies tense and rigid against the jump scares so afterwards we could loudly proclaim to our mates that we totally weren't scared when that sudden shotgun blast exploded the dude's head. But t'was not always thus. I didn't start out as a rabid gore hound. I grew up a very sensitive kid. It felt like I was scared of everything. The world was big and oppressive and the only safe space was in my home with my family. I was lucky in that respect. Some kids don't even have that, where home isn't a haven. And I unfortunately got to see that for myself once, right up close and personal. But that's another story for another time. Back then, it felt like everything had half a chance to set me off. Hell's Bells, I had a cassette tape with the kid's story of Beauty and the Beast on it, decades before the Disney version would become the mainstream version, and I loved listening to it, but whenever it came to the introduction of the Beast, I'd clap my hands over my ears and flee the room. Why was it so scary? Because the Beast said, Blah! Like, really loudly. Suddenly, behind him, he heard a most frightening roar. Blah! Told you I was sensitive. Horror movies were an especially big trigger. I couldn't watch half the stuff on network TV without ducking behind the couch. I've mentioned that The Incredible Hulk was my favorite TV show in the 70s. Well, what I didn't mention was that my parents made me stop watching it in the fourth season because the season premiere scared the shit out of me so badly. I'll never forget that. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, goes into the woods to check out a crashed meteor and stumbles over a downed tree into a full-on beehive. He's attacked by hundreds of bees, stinging him over and over. And man, did Bill Bixby sell that one. He screamed. Screamed like he was being absolutely murdered, and the scream just about made me shit my pants. The memory of it still gives me chills. And when he screamed and the music that signaled his transformation to the Hulk blew in right on top of it, it scared me so friggin' bad my parents made me turn the TV off, and I was encouraged not to watch the show again. Don't worry, kids. The Hulk chucked that nasty old beehive about a mile away after being mildly annoyed by the same bees that were stinging Dr. Banner to death. Also... I was able to resume watching the show when I got a little older, so happy endings all around. Come to think of it, any scary movie involving animals or insects seemed to really bum me out at that age. Especially movies with ants. The movie Empire of the Ants showed once on a Saturday afternoon. Couldn't get through that. Which is a laugh if you've seen that movie and its cheeseball effects. Jurassic Park, it is not. And there was another movie, simply called Ants, where it showed billions of ants swarming over some swank beach resort. 
I watched in utter terror as one dude grabbed a hand railing, ants buzzed all over him, and he stumbled and fell to the ground, consumed by the ant hordes. Mom had to sit me down for long minutes and assure me it was just a movie. I mean, it makes sense. I had to walk to and from school past a very active anthill in a deserted patch of land every day, and just watching those hundreds of big, juicy black ants buzzing in military formation, me just a few measly feet away, it made my stomach churn on a twice-daily basis. Part of my fear, I think, was a product of a very active imagination. We would go to our local video store, and I would stare in endless fascination at the rows and rows of horror movies, their cover art breeding all manner of terrors in my tiny brain. All of them looked like nicely packaged snuff films, with murderers wearing burlap sacks over their heads and threatening sobbing victims with gardening implements. When they say the human mind conjures scarier stuff than a movie ever could, they ain't kidding. I saw most of those movies in later years, and ain't a one of them put more scare into me when I watched them than when I just stood there, staring at the cover, imagining what was in them. In my teen years, I started getting a thicker skin. I grew bigger, so the outside world began to seem a little less threatening, and I started watching horror movies with, shall we say, an agenda. I was determined to desensitize myself to the worst sights film had to offer. It became a weekly ritual. Go to Blockbuster with my friends, grab pizza and donuts, play a few games, then watch the bloodiest, scariest films imaginable until we passed out. The scare factor dropped precipitously in those years. The last movie I remember truly scaring me back then was the original Dawn of the Dead. We watched that one night and I could barely sleep for all the nightmares it gave me. So my solution was to watch it again and again until the nightmares went away. Yes, I'm well aware of the pop psychology of it all. A scared little boy trying to wrest whatever control he can out of an uncontrollable world. Well, laugh if you must, but the truth is, it worked. That little nugget of control helped me gain control in other areas of my life. Did you know, pretending not to be scared when Freddy Krueger slices somebody to bloody ribbons actually helps when you have to pretend to not be nervous in social situations? There were plenty of factors that contributed to me feeling a tiny bit more at ease in the world, but I never discount the scary movie factor. All of this to say, horror movies don't scare me much anymore. It's gotten even harder to budge me since I started working in entertainment. I just see the seams too quickly. And much of it is just a side effect of having more life experience. Because teens getting slaughtered in the woods by a hockey mask murderer starts becoming far less scary than your child almost getting hit by a car or your parents getting a cancer diagnosis. Yeah, you knew I was going to bring that up, huh? About 16 years ago, my mom was diagnosed with bile duct cancer. The doctors begged us not to look it up on the internet as it would just upset us. So we immediately looked it up and sure enough, it upset us. Turns out the survival rate for bile duct cancer is astonishingly low. Thus began nine months of my wife and I going out to visit her in Phoenix whenever we could, sometimes staying for extended periods to help out. There was a couple of weeks that my brother, Allie, and I came out to help when my mother had to be in the hospital for surgery. Every day consisted of us getting up, taking care of what we could take care of, then piling in my dad's Honda Odyssey, a very well-named vehicle for that time, and traveling the 50 miles or whatever it was to get to the hospital mom was stuck convalescing in. We'd visit, try and cheer her up, then jaunt back home, maybe watch a movie, go to sleep, rinse, repeat. We ended up watching a lot of movies that week, many with dad on Turner Classic Movies, or sometimes hopping over to the local theater. One movie that Allie and I went and saw together, a couple of times if memory serves, was Cloverfield. If you've never seen it, it's basically a found footage Godzilla movie. A giant kaiju-type monster levels New York City, and it's told from the perspective of a few 20-somethings on the ground, one of whom films the whole thing. 
And one of the clever conceits about it is that the footage was shot on the same tape as other previously shot footage of the main character on a date. So the monster story keeps getting interrupted by a couple, now broken up, going to a park and falling in love. And in those quasi-flashbacks are little hints of dangers and tragedies to come. I loved it. Many people hated the shaky cam. Theaters even had to post warnings for people with motion sickness. The shakiness didn't bother me, but it certainly added to my tension level. One of the things I like about the movie is the inevitability of it all. We've seen dozens of Godzilla movies, thousands of monster movies, but this one, there was something far less goofy about it. Those flashbacks for one thing. They showed a happier time contrasting with the chaos happening in the present. Even though the flashbacks were brief, you felt for that happy couple. They had no idea their world would be upended in a few weeks' time. But there was something about it that creeped me on a more basic level. I've never been scared by a Godzilla movie, even when I was a sensitive kid, but this time around, the way the story was told, or the special effects being much better than 70s movies, or that you mostly see the monster peeking out from between buildings as the characters fled from it, something about that really put the creep in me. Not enough to give me nightmares like Dawn of the Dead, but something that gave me those anthill stomach flip-flops. That's right, kids. My weak spot is the Cloverfield monster. Now, it probably has much to do with my state of mind at the time. Life was oppressive and scary and disturbingly repetitive, and my poor mom was sick with a fatal disease that would eventually kill her, tying back to my childhood feelings of helplessness. So a monster movie that would usually be fun for me, suddenly taking on a whole fearsome turn, maybe isn't the biggest shocker in the world. Also, most monster movies veer toward a happy ending. Cloverfield most certainly did not. So maybe going to see a horror movie with a sad ending wasn't the best idea when I'm trying to cheer myself up. Except, again, it worked. Giving me something to be scared of besides my mom dying actually made it easier to go home, go back to the hospital, and get back to the routine. And hey, remember me talking about those horror movie video boxes that gave me such creeps? Many months later, after my mom had passed, I was looking at the Cloverfield theatrical poster. It's one of my favorites, and quite striking. The Statue of Liberty having been decapitated, and dark storm clouds gathering above a devastated New York City in the background, with the words, Some thing has found us across the top. So I'm looking at this poster, and suddenly, something I'd never seen before jumped out at me. The Cloverfield monster was in the freaking clouds. It's subliminal, but it's there. Plenty of people had noticed it long before me, but I don't know. There was something about seeing it months after seeing the movie and being creeped out by it, somehow, that served to nail my coffin lid shut. Remember how I mentioned the inevitability of the movie? Something about that feeling, and then seeing a monster where I hadn't seen one before, well, it did me in. It had that inevitable feel of not being able to escape death. I love that poster, but I can't look at it too long. It makes my skin crawl. And weirdly... I like that about it. I purposely don't try to desensitize myself to it. There's something about that feeling still being alive, tying back to my childhood, where I was feeling that buzzing tension constantly that I like the idea of preserving. And that feeling got passed on in every sequel that followed. There have been two so far, 10 Cloverfield Lane and The Cloverfield Paradox, and both have given me genuine creeps while watching them. 10 Cloverfield Lane earns those creeps. It's a very claustrophobic movie, and John Goodman is incredible in it. But the Cloverfield Paradox is not so good. I wish it was. I was rooting for it to be as good as the other two, but it just wasn't. And yet, 
Something about knowing that the Cloverfield monster would probably show up at some point in Paradox made me tense the whole time I watched it. And sure enough, when it did show, I went freaking cold all over. I still go cold thinking about it. Sometimes, even a not-so-great movie can do me in more than an amazing movie that I love. I'll be honest, I watched clips of all the things I talked about in this post, and they once again gave me chills after all these years. Even the silly-looking dude getting ants all over his hands. So there you go. If you're wondering what movie still has the ability to creep me out, it's Cloverfield. I don't watch it too often, like I say, to preserve that tension I have with it. But maybe I'll throw it on this spooky season. See if it still works. Hopefully it does. Because, tell you true, I kind of like being scared of the Cloverfield monster. Thank you, friends and neighbors, for joining me for The Book of John. You can reach me at the Book of John Podcast at gmail.com, or you can go to Substack, look up John Patrick Nelson or The Book of John, and check me out there. Remind your kids that the Halloween hop is coming next week. Please remember that there are no offensive Taylor Swift costumes allowed. I'll see you next time.